Hello, welcome to episode five of Teacher Talk with me, Phil Bourne, and Charlie Yates. Hello. Uh, we haven't got a guest on for uh, this episode, it's just going to be me and Charlie. Uh, and we're going to be talking about uh, the importance of being uh, knowledge experts and subject specialists uh, in your department areas. And we're going to be reading an article by Mark Enzer uh, called Knowing Your Subject, The Role of Disciplinary Knowledge in Effective Teaching. Uh, so, Charlie, how are you getting on? Yeah, good. Uh, just kind of come out of isolation. Yeah. Um, not quite the holiday that everyone's been joking around that it was, but thankfully that's all over now. And uh, you had any ill effects or you feeling okay? I'm feeling all right. I've got a sore throat at the moment, but that's more from celebrating England than actually any uh, any illness going on there. Um, and how are you? Uh, feeling good about the end of term? Yeah, got my uh, got my food food order in for the final <laughs> yeah. day. Good, bit good. Of, uh, bit of free food. What was it? Meat or vegetarian? Got meat. Nice. Sometimes. Good call. Yeah. Good call. Uh, yeah, and I suppose it's just all the other stuff that comes with the end of term. You feel like you should be uh, starting to wind down, but all those little jobs that need doing, like all doing and timetables and stuff. So uh, it's all been fun. We've had experience of teaching each other subjects and, and coming in as, as non-specialists and Enza gives some advice about how we can become um, a specialist in those subjects. Phil, I just want you to kind of tell us what that advice is, but also maybe use some of your experiences to, to, to really show us what that can look like. So he, he comes up with three different ways. And the first one is probably the most straightforward uh, of the three. And it's um, allocating time to develop subject knowledge. Yeah. And... It's kind of one of those things which you should be spending as much time, or maybe not as much time, but you should be spending a significant amount of time on looking at that content versus marking, setting yeah. assessments, doing all the other stuff that comes with the with the, the lesson. You need to, to to know your stuff. And I think we're we're lucky in the situation where 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 we are at school that we have we do have a huge amount of department time because we have our uh, you know extended CPD on Wednesdays and I, I think that's worked effectively over the last couple of yeah. years. Yeah, I do. I do. Because Enza says that actually uh, in terms of the – because we, we've all done it. We take books home to mark. That's our evening devoted to yeah. marking, making sure they're back in. How many times have we said, I'm going to go home and I'm just going to make sure I understand yeah. the historical concept of or what's going on in Weimar Germany. I'm going to make sure I understand the Shakespearean play to the extent that I need to to teach it effectively. Yeah. So I think that's really important. And actually, just talking about that CPD time, it's – also, I mean, because we've we've been through stuff together where I've talked you through some stuff in the Cold War. Yeah. It also helps me become an expert. Yeah. It helps me learn through teaching. Because, yeah, because you're almost going through that process of what does what does this teacher need to know yeah. in order to impart it onto the onto the students? And it really kind of crystallizes your thinking about the about the topics involved. So I guess it's like um, you know, devoting that time to subject knowledge, and I guess it kind of moves into the second one quite nicely, it also requires quite good communication. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, because if, and I suppose we're lucky because we, we share an office. Yeah. So there is that constant uh, conversation that's going on. And yeah, you're right, you're, you need to be really explicit to uh, the members of non-specialist staff on what they're required to do. And it's that, they call it like the curse of the expert where, you know, when you, you kind of think, well, what, it's easy, I, I, I yeah. know that. But then being really kind of 
clear in your explanation on 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 why that is and not just assuming that they've got this kind of prior knowledge or accepted knowledge because sometimes they might be coming at it at a similar level to what maybe the students might yeah know. i guess and again it's that you have to revise like a student then so that independent thing as well yeah. so if i'm teaching geography next year if i eventually teach rs i want to make sure that i'm going home and, and devoting that time to that subject coming yeah. in knowing the stuff that i need to know so that was that was the first point that Enza says you know just make sure you devote that time to the subject knowledge and then the second point was more about um, you know talking to teachers outside of maybe your immediate community and joining societies, associations that can enlighten uh, certain topics. I, I just wonder what you think the benefits of that are, and, and, and have you experienced any? Of that? Yeah, so I, I know all the members of my department are members of the GA, the right. Geographical Association, and uh, you know they terminally they have um, journals and articles that come out and uh, teaching geography and um, a geography magazine and i think that the thing that the bot the, the benefit of doing something like that is it almost forces you into engaging with the information mm. because sometimes you can you know you can keep involved in what, what's going on you can you can read uh, a lot around the subject but then it's not contextualized already for the, uh, for, for the for the students something like a subject association they're doing that job for you so they're yeah. all, they're already kind of converting it into <clears throat> uh, manageable chunks yeah. that are that can be used in the classroom well that's that's really because I've, I've just remembered a point that was in the article as well where Enza states that if you're doing your own research and you're actually reading you know uh, a piece of literature on whatever your subject is and the knowledge you want to learn, there's a translation period where you have to translate yeah. that from academic text through to um, you know teaching and, yeah. and and how we teach that effectively. And I, I'm also subscribed to the history versions of, of those magazines. And again, they do it really well. They actually help you with that translation process and actually allow you to. It saves time, really. Well, it's, it's because they're written by teachers. Yeah, exactly. So, so they, they they've already got that shorthand. Whereas when you maybe go for something broader. It's not written by a teacher. It won't be written by an academic. Yeah. And, and because the other, I suppose the the counterpoint to this is teachers have got a lot on. Yeah. There's a, do we? Uh, yeah, do we? we do. There's a, and, and time is limited. And of course, it'd be great for everyone to be, you know, devoting loads and loads of time to it. But we have to make sure the time that we do have is really effective. And we're not we're not having to kind of wade through mm. you know subject specialist stuff that that you know is gonna is is gonna eat into a lot of time. So uh, as I said, it, it cuts out the middleman and it, and it and it does it sort of perfectly. Well, there's another example that he gives actually that it, that could be quite helpful. He says that he struggled to find um, people that can run a CPD that is based on subject knowledge. He yeah. said that that's quite a difficult thing to come across. But if that was it's also like a niche in the market. If that was kind of plugged. That's something straight away that maybe would deal with that teacher time in terms of how much work they're putting mm. in, but also developing subject knowledge. Yeah, I don't know. Can you just, you can't just go, we're going to get a guy, a guy or a girl in and going to say, uh, you know, they'll do a half hour session. And you go, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Completed subject knowledge. That's right, that's rivers. Sorted. Exactly. <laughs> you can't, it's, it's ongoing. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know if I agree fully with that because. I think it has to come from within, and it's got to be. And this word comes up a lot. I've noticed when we're talking about it. It's got to be within that ethos of the department that mm. you you've got members of staff who are reflective on their on their subject knowledge. Because I I, I think the token 
you know, CPD where it's a half hour and someone t- comes in. And I just, it's not enough. But it's, it's, it's interesting because for me personally, if I don't go into a lesson feeling like I am the expert of that lesson yeah. and I've got all the knowledge, I, feel, I, I can feel my teaching quality dip. And I can feel that actually I'm not quite as strong as I yeah. need to be. So yeah, I guess it is something that it's it's a drive that you've got a of course that you take responsibility it's, for. Well, it's almost. because you, it's because you can't talk for it as well. You, you just you just because you don't yeah, you don't yeah, have yeah. the you just don't have that that level of detail. And he he talks about and this is kind of linked into the Rosenstein stuff. Uh, you know, the most effective math teachers when they that was the example they use spoke for 23 of a 40 minute lesson yeah 23 minutes of the 40 minute lesson uh, and the least spoke to 11 minutes or spoke for 11 minutes of lesson yeah. now there's other factors involved in that but one of those has got to be the the depth of knowledge yeah it, it, yeah. Ha- it has to be because they've got more to say because they know more about it I think one of the things I've learned as well over the past year in particular is that your increase in subject knowledge actually allows you to make um, parallels. So it's a particularly useful thing in history. Yeah. If I'm talking about a historical trend or something that's happened, because my knowledge of that is so you know defined and I, and I know exactly what I'm talking about, the analogies I make to the modern day, which you know has its own research behind it about how analogies are, are significant, is so much more effective and so much more you know on the on the nose, and the students understand it better. Um, and uh, it's those synoptic links as well. Yeah. In, yeah. Exactly. In between topics, and it's 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 having that that broader broader understanding. So the third solution that ENZA uh, offers uh, is the use of social media um, for teachers and uh, using that as a tool of gaining uh, subject knowledge. And I know Charlie uses social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. do you, would you ever use it for um, teacher purposes? Or? Oh, very rarely. No, no, I do, I do. I know that most people probably know my social media. I talk a lot about football, I talk a lot about mu- uh, music. But there is a part of my social media that is dedicated to education, pedagogy, subject knowledge, and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, in my training year in particular, I was um, influenced to go and look at some of these pages. And it was quite useful for me coming into a new school. I knew I'd be teaching certain GCSE topics that maybe I wasn't familiar with. Even in the last year, teaching some A-level topics that I, I didn't really know. It's been really useful to see, number one, the resources that have been put out there that, okay, fine, are effective for the students, but actually they're effective for me as well. I, I, again, I understand from people that know the overall picture of the course, what I need to know. Um, but also access to pedagogical thinking as well. Um, and I know you're, you're involved with that as well. Yeah, I, I've come onto it probably the last three, four years or so. And um, I, was, I was sort of hesitant uh, to, to start doing it. But since I have, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not a big poster. I'm a sort of big... Uh, Lurker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just... Uh, Hiding in the shadows, uh, <laughs> nice. reading lots of. I, it, I mean, it's a source for for reading. It's a source for uh, resources, and you know that, that's predominantly where I've I've uh, I've used it. I would say that you have to be choosy. You can fall down some, um, you know, some wormholes really of fighting and kind of negativity on there it's ridiculous right because we there's one thing we tell our students exactly. that you need to use well, social media responsibly sometimes it's just 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 as bad and uh i think once you've once you've got kind of your core and you've got a group of teachers that you know are positive and helpful i think that's a a really um a really good 
uh, place to start. You are right with that because there are some teachers that you'll follow as well. And maybe maybe not because of the, the conflict side of things, but maybe you just don't agree with their practices or actually you don't feel like the methods they've offered are the best methods forward. Yeah. Uh, you've got to be careful not to be convinced or, or push down a certain it's, alleyway, I think. Yeah, I think it is hard because you, you've got to, you have to definitely go with your eyes open and there there is more of a kind of quality check-in um, uh, process involved. You can't just, you've got to kind of know where you, where you stand and not let people kind of sway you in the uh, in the breeze and potentially you know when you think about the professional uh, associations that's all the the quality check has already been done yeah you don't really have to think too much about whether you know that's good geography in there because because it because it, it has been it has been checked and i would say that's probably one of the um you know one of the the downsides of it but I, I think that's I think as long as you go in with that, you know, in the back of your you know your mind when you when, when you're reading it, I think that there, there should be no, no problem. I'm going to say something. It's probably it's probably going to make you groan. Probably going to make a lot of people groan. But what, yeah. one thing that's been really effective for me is TikTok. Of course it has. Yeah, but it is. It's so I know that TikTok are short uh, short clips and they're you know they're not quite as as maybe. Um, big as a Twitter post might be. But just little tips in your teaching. I guess this is more outside of subject knowledge now, but I'm serious, give it a go. There, there's some really interesting stuff on the education side of TikTok. Again, be careful. There are some you know strange things you can find, but I really do recommend it. Okay, I may have a look into that. You better, and you better oh, follow me. I will. So that's all really Enza has to offer with this article. The, the um, Thoughts behind it, the reasons, you know, the research suggests that the teachers that know the most teach the most effectively and students from those lessons end up learning the most. Um, and then some advice about how you get to that stage, devoting some time independently to enhancing your subject knowledge, effective time, not, you know, five minutes looking over a lesson plan, um, engaging in the wider community of your subject. You know, your, like you said, your guys are subscribed to GA. My guys are subscribed to HA, which is Historical Association. And then finally, maybe dabbling a bit with social media, but of course, with, with maybe a little bit of hesitancy. Pinch of salt. Yeah, pinch of salt, pinch of salt. So with that, we've kind of got some supplementary reading that we think will kind of brings this issue to a bit more of a wider debate. And it's, it's a debate that isn't just now based on our own independent work, but how we interact with our curriculum um, and whether we should really have a center. So this comes from Dan Atal. And we're not going to go through as much detail as we have with Ensa, but the gist of his argument is basically, or he's asking a question really, can we as teachers possibly be experts in our subjects when the national curriculum is there and is guiding us down certain avenues? Um, and he kind of raises this issue of whether or not we as teachers need to be part of that policy-making process. Well, I suppose the answer is... <laughs> we know the answer. Yeah, you definitely need to be part of the, the process. Yeah. But it's, it's, so, it's so tough because there's there's so many different people involved mm. that they can't you can't get everyone's everyone's say i think i suppose with the national curriculum when it's very prescriptive it reduces that ability to become real subject experts mm. uh, even even so we've got the gcse and a level specs they are they are they are prescriptive yeah um and you have to work within those uh constraints really and um 
yeah, I mean, what what do you think is the is, is the answer there? We we talk about in history a phrase that we use quite often is good history. Yeah. And what we've found over the past couple of years is that actually there are some things offered as part of the curriculum that maybe we as a department don't consider good history. Yeah. And we don't actually see it as part of a. a enlightening students understanding of, of the historical concepts of this country of who they are really so yeah I, I think it's a tough one and the the annoying thing for me is that i don't know how we bridge that gap between policymaker and mm. professional so is it, is it about making the most of the the things that are open to you that you have to follow and yeah. try and put the spins on them to make them into good subjects well i think that's it yeah geography the, and good you know, the wiggle room is important there, yes. what, what you yeah. can do. And I guess one, one particular example I can give, so we've recently planned a new scheme of work on the Holocaust. It's the only scheme of work that we are uh, legally obliged to teach. We have Our students cannot leave this school without learning about the Holocaust. Now, within that, there are so many, and I guess it goes back to the organisations, there are so many organisations that put out resources and give advice about how mm. to teach um, within the National Curriculum Guidelines, but in the most effective way possible. And I found that really helpful. So I guess, I guess at the moment there isn't that dialogue between professional and policymaker that needs to exist. But that wiggle room is what's effective, and and those independent institutions might be useful to to help you use that effectively. Yeah. So I mean, really, does it sort of backs up the work that in the first article that he says? Yeah, yeah. You know, keep it's, talking it's, to people. Yeah. Keep your keep your eyes open. You know. If you're planning a, a scheme of work, what is the best way to plan it? Yeah. Can you cross-check it with other other people and what they've done? I think it really is the, the best way to ensure it's the top quality. And I suppose a, a national curriculum does mean that you and other schools are going to be doing the same same topics. So I suppose it does condense the the you know the the stuff that's out there, and it it, it may actually make the work of the associations easier because mm. you know that schools are having to cover it. Yeah. That was knowing your subject, the role of disciplinary knowledge in effective teaching. And I think we've got some really good strategies there to make sure that we are, you know, devoting that time to our subject knowledge, engaging with the wider community, and also the, the, the reasoning behind that as well. Uh, thank you, Phil. It's been a top podcast once again. Yeah, thank you. Uh, five episodes in, we're still going strong. Yeah. Been really enjoying the process. Just waiting for those advertisement deals to come in now. They'll, be, they'll be soon. Yeah, that's, be soon. that's the next step. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, keep this uh, momentum going into September. Yeah, I think I think we'll be fine. So we've, had, we've got some people already actually that have signed up for September and said they wanted to talk to us. Exciting guests. Oh yeah, I, I am looking forward to it. But again, if you've if you if you've listened to the fifth episode now and you think actually you've got a taste for what we talk about and you want to bring something to the podcast, please, by all means, let us know. We're, we're happy for, for you to bring us anything and we're happy to discuss it with you. Um, it's a great opportunity for us to, to learn about some of your interests as well and just broaden our knowledge of the school and, and, and issues within. Right, that's it for this week. Thank you guys so much and we will see you next time. Bye. Goodbye.